Welcome back here to Courtside. Once again, it's me, Brandon. Been kind of off this podcast. Definitely have been more busy of late. Schoolwork, actual work, writing articles for the papers I work for. But best believe, playing tournament time, it's NBA talk time. Just finished watching both the Atlanta Hawks versus the Miami Heat, as well as the Lakers and the Minnesota Timberwolves games. A lot of talk about in both of those games. Miami just blows up inside the paint and it definitely does cost them and as well with the Lakers Timberwolves game much closer than I thought it was going to be I'm not going to lie to you much closer uh, but we're going to go into that and more on this episode of Courtside this episode of the Courtside podcast is brought to you by YouTube channels Highway Temptation and Captain Barbo who make content on YouTube weekly Captain Barbo recently just came out with multiple videos I mean right now he's going back to back to back weeks he recently just had a Sons of the Forest. I haven't played the game myself yet, but it's based on the Forest, the original game on PC. So he has a funny video with that one, as well as an hilarious video of Hogwarts Legacy. Definitely a new thing. What would I be in, in Hogwarts Legacy? I don't know. Everyone's getting Slytherin these days. I don't know what you guys are getting out there, but definitely will most likely get Slytherin. I think everyone's gotten Slytherin. But definitely see what... Captain Barbo got in that video as well as in High Wind Temptation. Continuing on with the Sonic rankings as well as Sonic Crusaders, their most recent video that came out. So don't forget to watch those videos as well as subscribe to those YouTube channels and, of course, follow the podcast. So as I mentioned before, I just finished watching both of the games of Miami versus Atlanta as well as the Lakers against the Timberwolves. Right now on the East Coast, it's one. 34 a.m. Yeah, really early, but definitely am wide awake after both of those games. Stuff that I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting to happen this quick. One of them being the Miami Heat downfall. For the Miami Heat, for those people that do not know, this was a team that most likely peaked around January, February, and then things started to deteriorate as they kind of slipped away from the postseason then made their way into a play-in tournament option. And the moments when Kevin Durant was really dealt with out of Brooklyn, I honestly thought in my honest opinion that like the Nets are going to drop out and the Miami Heat, no matter what happens, they will take the sixth seed. The Heat were unable. They were a game behind the Brooklyn Nets to end off the regular season. So they ended up hosting this Atlanta Hawks team, which they took to five games last year in the first round as the number one seed in the East. This time, both teams being in the play-in tournament, a win to get to the first round against the Boston Celtics, which would be a, well, what would have been a matchup for the Miami Heat on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. on ESPN, will not happen. The Miami Heat are the first ever seventh seed to ever lose a play-in game tournament. Uh, past seven seeds in the NBA were 4-0 before the Heat lost 116-105 against Atlanta. And with this Atlanta team, and I was talking about this as well on another platform, Plug Talk Sports. If you haven't seen any bit of their content, I'm a, I'm on a lot of their uh, podcast material as you do every single Monday at 9 p.m. on Plug Talk Sports on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, but besides that, we talked about the postseason and kind of the matchups ahead. And when I was looking at this game, I know that a lot of people on NBA Twitter and then, of course, from the games I've been seeing at the end of the year with the Atlanta Hawks. That is a team that's confident in itself that it will go into the postseason and be successful. 
It's a similar feeling what we got when it was like, I think, what, 2021, 2020, whatever it is, when Atlanta went to do the Eastern Conference Finals against Milwaukee, I think it was that year, that they had to beat the Knicks in round one and then round two beat Philadelphia through seven games. This is, it's a similar feeling. And the big part about that is, one, DeJounte Murray, he's been phenomenal. Honestly, probably one of the best offensive pieces that this team has had all year besides Trey Young, who's been going back and forth. And Coach Snyder, Quinn Snyder. I mean, from Utah, you got a decorated coach like Snyder with multiple years in the NBA to take over McMillan. And now Atlanta looks like they have a real identity. Their bench, let me tell you, Sadiq Bey, apparently that move actually worked out in the favor of Atlanta, despite what he was doing in Detroit. Sadiq Bey in this game, I'm going to actually go through the box scores right now. For the Atlanta Hawks, leading the team was Trey Young, of course. He had 25 points, 8 rebounds, and 7 assists in this one. Right behind him, of course, is Murray with 18 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists. But one of the most interesting stats, the bench. Four players off the bench for the Atlanta Hawks in double digits in scoring. Leading the way, Sadiq Bey with 17 points. Now, I don't know about you, but Sadiq Bey, he had those moments in Detroit where he has some 30-point games, and then he also has some, like, you know, 9, 5, 15. He's like a seesaw type of player. And it looks like they got the right Sadiq Bey here. But funny enough, Sadiq Bey playing 33 minutes in this one, starting for Atlanta. And I have to say, I like the starting lineup. I mean, I honestly was going back and forth, like, do I really want to put... DeAndre Hunter on the bench while Sadiq Bey gets these minutes, but it looked like it worked out for them in really great fashion. And speaking of the rest of the bench, as I mentioned before, four players from the bench getting double-digit points. Um, well, actually, my apologies. Three players on the bench getting double-digit points. Bogdanovich with 14. Johnson with 10, as well as... Unfortunately, I don't really know how to say his name, so I do apologize if I butcher the name. But Onkongu, I think it is, number 17, the forward slash center for the Atlanta Hawks with 12. This Atlanta team was dominating. And what I mean by dominating, a huge part of it inside the painted area. 26 and 3 in second chance points against the Miami Heat. And the big part of that, Clint Capella. Four points, 21 rebounds. That's right. 21 rebounds. This Atlanta Hawks team was out-rebounding this Miami Heat team throughout the entire day. And the worst part about it, Jimmy Butler in the press conferences after the game was talking about it was horrendous. That's the, again, as I quote, Jimmy Butler said horrendous, and it was. Look at the total rebound numbers. Atlanta leading 63-39 to over the Heat. And then you also look at other stats such as offensive rebounds, 22-6 to over the Heat. Wow. Unreal. And again, you do have to feel for a player like Bam and Obio for Miami, where it's just him in the paint doing everything that he can. I mean, they got Caleb Martin down there helping him out, but Caleb Martin's barely going to do much against a guy like Clint Capella with a frame of over 250 pounds. No way he's going to be able to box out those guys, especially the way the Miami plays defense. There's just no way. Absolutely no way. They're more of a base on the perimeter. They're not really going to go out there. Unless you got Bam and Abayo down the middle of the lane. But now we speak of the Miami Heat. So let's now look at their stat line. Jimmy Butler, as a lot of people expected, showed up. 
21 points in this one. Almost played close to 40 minutes, but with 21 points, 4 rebounds, and 1 assist away from a double-double. He had 9 assists in this one. Tyler Hero, the unexpected hero in this one. Uh, actually started for this Miami Heat team as shooting guard. 26 points. He led the team with about 34 to 35 minutes in time being on the court. However, Kyle Lowry, I have to say, I was not expecting this. Out of all the things I was expecting from these playing tournament first few games, I was not expecting Kyle Lowry to be the best player on the court on either side. Kyle Lowry, 33 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. And if you're interested exactly what the percentage looks like, he was shooting at a 68.8 clip, let alone 6-9 from 3. Insane stat line for Kyle Lowry and the veteran that everyone was waiting for. When is he really going to help this Miami Heat team? When are we going to see all-star Kyle Lowry? 2019, Kyle Lowry. Well, they definitely got him today. He had 33 points. However, they didn't get much else. The other players, Max Struess, three points in this one. Gabe Vincent had a, actually a weird-looking, not like an injury, but it looked like he actually was kind of back and forth with his leg after doing a quick spin on the top of the perimeter and kind of had a little bent to his knee. He ended up finishing with six points. The bench, Kevin Love, two points. Cody Zeller, two points. Nothing else. Nada. And let me tell you, Haslam didn't play, obviously. But in my shock, they didn't even put Highsmith in the game. I understand, like, Orlando Robinson, Duncan Robinson. I get that. But Highsmith, who had been throughout the entire regular season, was making strides in his game. They didn't want to put him there for defensive reasons. I mean, his size. I mean, come on. His length. you got to do that. And I understand the Miami Heat themselves. They had a 2-0 lead to start off the game. They never led afterwards. So they were always climbing back offensively. And with Max Drews shooting on a horrible night, uh, as I mentioned before, he ended up finishing off with three points and was 1-5 overall from the field. But come on, find a way defensively to at least control the game. This Miami Heat team, defensively, they used to be part of this culture. And again, as a Floridian myself, I've been first to witness it throughout my entire childhood. I've been first to witness this culture that they have defensively that they put up and prioritize above their heads. It didn't look like it was anywhere, and especially not in the rebounding battle, which, of course, as I mentioned before, was probably the main reason why Clint Capella was able to get a lot of those offensive rebounds to get second-chance points for Atlanta, and then Atlanta, too, escaped Miami with 116 points, enough for the victory over the Miami Heat, who only scored 105. Now, this will mean that the Miami Heat will have to go on to play either the winner of the 10th and 9th seed of the Eastern Conference, being that of Chicago and the Toronto Raptors. And that game will be Friday. And, of course, tomorrow, the game deciding who will play that Friday game against the Miami Heat. Of, of course, as I mentioned before, Chicago and Toronto will be tomorrow, Wednesday. And I believe that will be broadcast on ESPN as well. So... Now that we got that out of the way, let's talk a little bit about Lakers basketball. I don't know about you, but midway through this season, I was already done, counted out the Lakers. Los Angeles, they're not able to get these done. They don't have the right roster for it, let alone they're not even going to make a play-in tournament. That's what I thought. 
Well, it didn't take account of Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving going from a 4th, 5th seed all the way down to 13th seed. So definitely that kind of shocked me and definitely helped out the Lakers in this play-in tournament scenario that we find ourselves in in the year of 2023. But the Los Angeles Lakers definitely look like they belong tonight going against the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Los Angeles Lakers they ended up being victorious in overtime at home, 108-102 to against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And this was a game that saw the Timberwolves lead by, honestly, the entire way. And they were playing phenomenal basketball. First quarter, they scored 28. Second quarter, 32. Third quarter, 26. And then the fourth quarter comes. And the Lakers, you know, they're right behind. You know, they had a couple of times where they were down double digits. But they were able to climb back into two possession games. You know, trying to keep it alive. Anthony Davis was a huge part of that, of course. A.D., Try to stay on the floor as much as he can. Of course, he did that and more. Anthony Davis was on the floor for exactly 42 minutes and 40 seconds. Got a double-double out of it as well. He actually joins LeBron with the double-doubles. AD with 24 points and 15 rebounds. LeBron James leading the team 30 points and 10 rebounds. Now, as those two are just climbing back, then the fourth quarter comes in. And Minnesota and Carlton Towns, who at this point, I do want to let you know, Five fouls, so he was benched a little bit throughout the fourth quarter. However, they only put up 12 points. And the Lakers themselves, 19. The worst shooting performance throughout the entire game for either side comes in this fourth quarter. And somehow, someway, the Timberwolves are not able to win out of five going into this one. And they force overtime. Crazy shot from Dennis Schroeder, and I have to say... I don't know if this is Coach Ham. I don't know if this is just LeBron James making some things happen to bringing guys into the paint. But LeBron James on the right wing goes driving in, I think, on Torian Prince. And he goes on to the baseline. Carl Anthony Towns goes in, try to help out down low, takes off AD. And then another guy that was guarding Dennis Schroeder on the left corner ended up going down to get actually help out with AD since Carl Anthony Towns was focusing on LeBron. LeBron saw that on baseline. He passes the ball. Wrapped around on his right hand. Dennis Schroeder wide open. Knocks down a three with, what, 1.7 seconds remaining. The game looks like to be over at 105 and 102. My apologies. Um, not 105, 102. Either way, it was a three-point game. Lakers up, right? Then insanity happens. Minnesota calls timeout. The ball gets moved to the sideline a little bit up the court. Ball's thrown in. Mike Conley for three. No, but he's fouled because Anthony Davis jumps on him and his shooting range. And as well, of course, onto his foot landing area. So Mike Conley makes three free throws. The game continues on. Lakers crowd are going crazy. There's like a guy that does not know how to sit down in the front row on court side. And I'm just like, buddy, sit down. Even I'm at home trying to watch this game. But it was hard not to give him a reason why not? Because Lakers scored 10 points in that overtime compared to Minnesota with four. And Carl Anthony Towns, who for some reason slowed down at the end of this game. I mean, they were making the right switches. I mean, sometimes down the stretch, you would have Towns and Dennis Schroeder in the paint. But Towns didn't want to get in front of him or even get close to the basket, put his back behind him, and even make him a little post move. Another part, Reeves. And Reeves, again, Good frame, right? Long arms, good wingspan. Defensively, he could play against Towns, but he's not going to be used. He's not going to be able to 
deal with Towns backing him out. So why was Carnathan Towns not able to put this on him? Why was Carnathan Towns not able to get things going on for him? I'm not too positive, but what I do think it does, again, as I mentioned before, the five personal fouls on him. He wasn't looking to get fouled out. He wasn't looking to have like one guy flopping behind him when he's on offense, and that's enough for an offensive charge or anything else, honestly, that the referees can call. So possibly that could be a reason. That's what I believe that might be a reason why Connecticut Towns was not trying to really be more aggressive in that overtime as well as down the stretch in the fourth quarter. But Shaquille O'Neal on TNT, I mean, he said that just because Towns didn't want it that day. Towns didn't want it. I don't know about that. This is a look at Towns' day, actually. Carlton Towns played a total of 41 minutes and had a double-double of 24 points and 11 rebounds. So, very similar to Anthony Davis. Both of them on the floor just about the same time. Same amount of points. AD do got the battle wins in the rebounding. And also... Besides Carnegie Towns having a good day himself, besides, of course, the end of the game. Mike Conley, I do have to say, Mike Conley has been phenomenal for the Minnesota Timberwolves recently, and especially in this postseason. Now, throughout the season, he's been averaging just about 12 points a game. Uh, a, what I say, 13, 12-year veteran, probably. I mean, he has playoff experience, obviously. Minnesota... Definitely does not have that yet, but Mike Conley, who has been to the Western Conference Finals before with the Memphis Grizzlies back in the day, it looked like he was back with the Memphis Grizzlies because he had 23 points in this one and played, get this, about 44 to 43 minutes against the Los Angeles Lakers on the road in a postseason environment that this Minnesota team, inexperienced as it is, has no intentions of really figuring it out. But Mike Conley looked like he figured it out tonight. The Fallon Youth was really helping them out because 7-11 from the floor shooting and the biggest part of that, 6-8 from 3. 75% behind the arc. That's impressive. In any building, in any level of basketball, that is impressive to be shooting at a 75% clip with 5 or more threes in the game. Incredible. And of course, Minnesota, one of the better defensive teams out west, uh, they definitely played really good defense for the first three quarters until Anthony Davis kind of figured his way out through going to Cal Anderson and everything like that. And LeBron James just did what he does, find guys open, figures it out later on, asks questions later on. But the Minnesota bench themselves, there's really only two guys that kind of like stand out to me. Definitely uh, Alexander Walker. Um, he, again, that's kind of one of the players where it's like, Man, he's on the Minnesota Timberwolves? I almost forgot about that. When did he get traded away from New Orleans? But yeah, I mean, he was out there. He got 11 points. He led the points for the bench. And then, of course, right behind him was Jalen Noel with nine. But but yeah, I mean, the bench did pretty okay. I'm not going to lie to you. But the Lakers bench was probably the bigger story. Beasley, five points. Then you also have Vanderbilt who came into the game. Zero points. However, defensively, his presence was known. I thought that every single time he would go against either guys such as Anthony Edwards, which Anthony Edwards, actually, before I even go any further without the Lakers, Anthony Edwards himself, I have a lot of high regard for this guy. But what happened? 3-17 and 17 from the floor shooting. 0-9 from 3. The only thing that could happen from that day was that he went to the free throw line. He was 3-4 and four from there. He finished with 9 points. Nine points. One third of his shots made were from the charity stripe. 
for a kid, and again, I understand, still in the youth of his career, the kid out of Georgia has definitely got to step up for Minnesota if they're looking to actually make any noise in the postseason, let alone make it out of the playing tournament because the game that follows, that's going to be a hard one. That game being, of course, of the Oklahoma City Thunder going up against the New Orleans Pelicans. Brandon Ingram of the Pels. Definitely do not want to see him in the postseason if I'm an opposing team. And Shai Gildas, Alexander, Giddy, and then the Jalen brothers. Honestly, I'll have to call them that. Uh, but Jalen Downing's probably. But definitely do not want to see either of those squads if I'm Minnesota. And I think one of the biggest elephants in the room about this game was the fact that Rudy Gobert was not a part of it. For those who do not know, uh, the NBA season this year kind of ended like the last day of high school. Like everyone just wanted to fight everyone for some reason. There was a scuffle with the Clippers bench. And then the Minnesota the Minnesota Timberwolves, I don't know what happened really. I guess this has been kind of building up for days. Cause, and again, I'm going to go from what Woj of ESPN has uh, said about this and tweeted about this from his reporting. But apparently, him and Colin Anderson, uh, Robert, uh, Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert and Anderson were going back and forth throughout the end part of the season when Rudy was injured. And Colin Anderson, and as I quote Wojnowski, Colin Anderson called Gobert a bitch for not playing while injured. Or at least accused him of not being injured and not playing because of it. Now, this leads up into the end of the season, their last game in Minnesota, and Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert are talking about it on the bench, both of them arguing heavily within their own group and huddle with the other Timberwolves. And Rudy Gobert throws a punch. And of course, uh, again, from, from the reporting of Woj, it wasn't an intent to hurt him or anything like that, that punch, but still, punches were thrown, it was on video, and it did not look good at all. Rudy Gobert ended up getting kicked out of that game and just went home by the Timberwolves and was suspended from playing this Lakers game, which again, a play-in tournament game. It's not a one-and-done in their situation being an eighth seed, but man, is it important. Because the next one, it only gets harder. It only gets more intense. So without Rudy Gobert and a game that probably you needed one of the best offensive big men that, again, a Minnesota Timberwolves team went out of their way to trade for in the offseason. For moments like this, they didn't use him against Anthony Davis, nor LeBron James. Insanity. Absolute insanity. Like, Hashimura, like, Rudy Gobert could have at least done enough to keep him out of this game. But it did not happen. Rudy Gobert will have to now deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and their chances in the next playing tournament game for them on Friday as the Los Angeles Lakers winning at 108-102 to in overtime in Los Angeles tonight. We will now go up against the Memphis Grizzlies. John Morant against LeBron James. That's a fun matchup. Now, I'm not saying I have any type of favor in that one. And I'm not saying that the Lakers have figured it out. They've struck gold. But I would definitely be hesitant to bet on the Grizzlies to win that series. Definitely look out for that. And of course, thank you again for joining on to Courtside Podcast. Uh, I've, unfortunately, I've been really busy of late. 
uh, kind of dealing with everything between, of course, work, school work, getting things done back and forth. I mean, recently, if you haven't checked out my Twitter account, uh, capital B, B-R-A-N-H, 2001, I've been dealing with a lot with covering the Florida Gators men's basketball team and their transfer portal status with players in the portal currently. If you are interested, definitely check that out on my Twitter. I have a lot of my articles out there. But either way, with NBA coming up with more big-time games in the postseason and as well in the play-in tournament, I will definitely be on this podcast more and more often. So be used to my voice. I will definitely be on here talking about some NBA basketball. It might even have one tomorrow after the uh, playing tournament games of uh, Toronto and Chicago, as well as that of the Pelicans and OKC. Well, either way, thank you for listening again, and I'll see you guys next time.